It is a beautiful Monday morning. That's not a good start, is it, John? No, no. Let's say it like this. Try and apply that theory to any other industry in the world. It's a scam. I was betting like 70, 80k. This is the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast, helping you beat the bookmakers. Good everyone, welcome to episode 132 of the Trademate Sports Betting Podcast. This time we're going through a betting preview of this weekend's Premier League fixtures game week three. We're going to go through Liverpool, Chelsea, Man City, Arsenal, Brighton, Everton and Aston Villa versus Brentford. Joining me today, Nigel and George are both out. So we've got along pro gambler Tony Alvarez from the YouTube channel, only fools lay horses. How are you, mate? Yeah, I'm not too bad, thanks. Thanks for having me and uh, good to be back on. No, mate. Pleasure having you back on. Uh, as, you, as you may know, if, if you're a loyal listener to the podcast like uh, everyone else listening, mate, we do a quiz question every week. I probably should have warned you beforehand. Um, you know what? The amount of times I've seen this and known the answer straight away, and uh, obviously because I'm watching it like a day later or whatever usually, and I'm like <laughs> screaming at my TV, how can they not know this? Or just screaming the answer. And now you're going to get me with something that I just have no idea. And do you know what happened? What, the first time I ever watched this, if I'm honest, uh, I think the question was who won the first ever FA Cup. And mm. I played for that team. They reformed in the in the 2010, roughly. And oh, wow. uh, me and Ashley, who I run my channel with, we played for the reform. And they done a, a rematch of the first ever FA Cup final in about 2014, I think it was. And I played in that at the Oval Cricket Ground. So I was thinking, oh, no one will get that. But I'm screaming at the TV because like, I've got all their kits like in there. <laughs> Love it, mate. Well, this one, um, I'm worried this one's very easy, I think, for you because, you know, you're a man that goes to every Arsenal game. So uh, we get to the answer at the end, as you know, mate, so hold on at the moment. But the question is, when was the last time Arsenal beat Man City in the league? So uh, hold on to your answer there, mate. I want, because because you're, uh, you know, you're, you're a well-educated Arsenal fan, mate. I want the month. I want the year. I want, I want it. Maybe just give me the precise, precise date too, maybe rough kind of time of the month. So uh, have a think, mate. I, I, we'll I, you know, I definitely know a way home. I'm just trying to fix up the calendar in my head, but a way I definitely know. I was there. I was at both of them. Um, yeah. Yeah, for those who don't know, Tony is a, uh, what, a f- what did you say, four years you've been going home and away to Arsenal? Yeah, so I've had a season ticket for 10 years, but in the pre-COVID when fans were allowed for the last four years, I, I think I've missed one game domestically and a couple in Europe. But, I mean, I do go to Europe as well, but I don't go to every game. Um, but domestically in England or in the UK, uh, I think I've missed one game in four years. There you go, mate. Just what everyone wants, two Arsenal fans on the podcast. All right. Uh, first game, mate, Liverpool-Chelsea. I'll get up the odds on the screen quickly. You know, game of the round here should be the most exciting one out of all of them. Liverpool favourites at around 245, 250. Chelsea, you can get uh, as high as three at a few bookies there and uh, draw about 3.3, 3.4. Um, both these sides, two for two this season, Liverpool beating two of the worst sides in the EPL, Norwich and Burnley, whereas Chelsea have beaten Palace and the mighty Arsenal, who are probably two of the worst sides in the EPL also. Uh, <laughs> how much, uh, I mean, how much have you watched these teams so far, mate? And I guess how much can you, uh, 
how much can you read into these results? Because they've obviously both played pretty poor teams. I mean, I know Arsenal's a big side, but geez, they've been they've been terrible this season. So you can kind of put them in that bracket too. Yeah, I mean, uh, so I've watched I watched Liverpool's first game live against Norwich, um, and I didn't watch Chelsea's. Only caught the highlights, and then in the second week, I only caught the highlights of the Liverpool game. But obviously, I was at the Arsenal Chelsea game. Hmm. I was very impressed with Chelsea. I know we weren't very good. Uh, obviously, we being Arsenal, um, but I was very, very impressed with Chelsea. I, I, it, it was interesting when you done your season preview podcast because I've been telling anyone that will listen that Lukaku will win the Golden Boot, or I think he will. He hadn't even signed yet, and, and I think Nigel and George pretty much were coming to the same conclusion that he was the the bet to go for, and he hadn't even signed yet. Um, and they look so much better with him in the team because they they bring everyone deep to try and play out from the back. And before, if you stopped that, they went long and Werner chased it and was offside or struggled to get on the ball. The ball was over here. But now they just play it into Lukaku. So strong. He holds everyone up off and then brings the, the, brings everyone up the pitch and brings his teammates into play. I was really, really impressed with Chelsea, um, as much as it pains me to say it. Um, Liverpool, mm. it's been really hard to gauge. I, I, they, uh, I didn't think they were great against Burnley from what I saw. Um, as I said, I only saw the highlights, but Burnley looked like they had a few chances. Obviously, it was back at Anfield, so it was interesting to see how much of a part the crowd played because that's what Liverpool were sort of moaning about missing last year. And it didn't play, I didn't feel it played the biggest part. But again, having been to Anfield loads of times, their crowd is so much better when it's like a big game or there's a bit of jeopardy. I always say the atmosphere at Anfield isn't a myth, but people go there expecting it to be electric every game. And it's probably once every five or six weeks that it's electric. So you can't really judge the atmosphere against Burnley the same as it will be against Chelsea. I don't think the crowd listed them against Burnley, but I think there's every chance they will on, on Saturday night, uh, obviously UK time. So how do you see Liverpool's defence handling Lukaku? Because obviously Mari from Arsenal did a a pretty terrible job, but, you know, there's, there's levels to this and, you know, Virgil van Dijk, Matip, their uh, their levels up from Mari. So how do you do? You, I mean, do you see it being that easy for Chelsea as it as it um as it was against Arsenal? Uh, no, but what's interesting, I don't think he can physically bully Van Dijk. Whereas I think he could against Matip, but he doesn't like playing on that side mm. because it brings him onto his right foot, which is not all that. He, he like even against Holding, he didn't really physically bully Holding. He had quite a tough no. time against Holding. But then yeah. he went across to the other side and, as you said, he completely bullied Murray. And that side suits him because then when he rolls inside, it's on his left foot. Um, so I, I can see him struggling a lot more against Van Dyke, as, as Nat you'd imagine. And not no surprise to anyone, Van Dyke is better than Pablo Murray. Like, <laughs> no surprise to anyone. What, what will be interesting, where Chelsea actually beat us with, with the formation, they won that game from the first minute because their wing-backs were so high and wide that one of our defenders had to come out and Mason Mountain and Kai Havertz were roaming everywhere and no one knew who to mark at any time. And I mean, Arteta messed up massively in, in not changing it. But it'll be interesting to see what Liverpool do because Klopp always plays 4-3-3. He doesn't ever, I don't think the whole time he's been at Liverpool, he's, he's ever changed from that. And you've got Trent, who is a very good player, but not the best defensively. And if they can stop him going forward, that damages a lot of what Liverpool are about. And the same for Robertson on the other side. He's a bit better defensively. Um, but if they can pin them two back, I can see it being a long, long night for, for Liverpool. Hmm. 
No, it'll be an interesting one. Uh, what about the betting, mate? <clears throat> Did you uh, have you had a look around? Is there anything that you, I mean, that's I guess spotted out to you? I can see if I can pull up a few markets as you go through, try and find the over under line. I think the over under was at maybe two and a half. Um, but yeah, any thoughts? Yeah, for me, it's quite simple. Um, I, I I don't make Liverpool favourites. There, there is always going to be the caveat of what Anfield can do, as in what the crowd will do and bring them up. But based on the performances of the two teams, and as it, obviously I have seen Chelsea firsthand, so it does make a difference in my thinking. But I see this a pretty even game. I'm not saying Chelsea should be favourites, but I'm looking at, at markets right now. So the odds I've got on the exchange are Liverpool at 2.62. Chelsea at 3.05. I don't see the gap that big. I would have them both probably around the 2.8 mark. I'd have them wherever very similar, whatever price you choose at, depends how you price the draw. But I, I just think Chelsea are, if we're assuming both teams are at full strength and I've not heard anything about any injuries for either side. Um, yeah, Robertson's back. I, yeah, well, it's, that's the other thing. It's interesting who Liverpool play in the middle, middle because obviously they played Harvey Elliott last week, but they were playing Burnley that, Harvey is a very good, young, talented player, but I can't see any way they play him against against a, a Chelsea team with the likes of Kante um, in the middle of the park. So for me, the, the Liverpool, the Chelsea lineup almost picks itself, and the, and the Liverpool lineup. There's a few more questions because if you go Fabinho and Henderson, who most people probably was the first choice, the next one's difficult. I wouldn't trust Chamberlain in there. Cater, Liverpool fans seem to rate him. I personally don't think he's up to that level. And and that's sort of about it. You can't put Milner in against a team like Chelsea. So I just think there's a lot more questions over Liverpool than there is Chelsea, which is why I make the the odds a lot closer than they should be. Um, I mean, sorry, they, they're not as close as they, they should be. Um, but yeah, the, the Anfield factor does worry me, but I can't factor that in too much when I, I just think that Chelsea are overpriced, to be honest. Yeah, it's it's hard, isn't it? Because you can. I, I originally thought you know Liverpool draw no bet looked good because I mean <clears throat> Liverpool at Anfield. It seems to be kind of the narrative at the moment, doesn't it? That Liverpool are gonna are gonna bounce back just because they're back at Anfield. But it's hard to factor in how much Anfield means to them. They haven't. They. I mean, if <laughs> if you want to take out all the losses they had at Anfield last year with no crowd, they haven't lost at Anfield with a crowd since since april of 2017 so it's it's been a very very long time so yeah, you can that, that gets extended by having 18 months without a crowd so obviously they did lose games but if you take them out it's you yeah. know i mean it's sounds like four years but it's actually two and a half it's, it's still impressive but yeah it doesn't hit the cards when it's like i said it's much less no yeah well said mate um do you do you think like liverpool are back to to, to what they were what a year, year and a half ago, whatever it is now, I've lost dates because the seasons have been all over the place. But yeah, what a year and a half ago? Do you think they're, do you think they're back to that? You know, when they were kind of striving for the invincibles kind of uh, streak. No, I mean they don't, again. It's only been two games, so it's hard to say. They don't look as good as the title winning, the title winning side, which obviously won the title by a mile and fully deserved it. Uh, but then there's, there's a load of things. Mane hasn't looked like the Mane that, that mm. won the league. Firmino has not really been starting. It's been Yota, who is a very good goal scorer, and I really like him as a player, but he doesn't link up play the same way Firmino does. On the flip side, Firmino links up play brilliantly and is not likely to score too many goals, um, or as many goals, should I say. 
again in midfield they've not replaced Wijnaldum who I know a lot of people don't rate but he played every game if he was fit he started so you can you can not rate him all you want but if someone who starts basically 38 games in the league goes you've got to replace them and they haven't they haven't made a sign in at all then obviously at the back you've got Van Dijk and he hasn't been tested yet is he the Van Dijk is he back up to his levels of the title winning team knowing people that have had ACLs which is what he had I would say probably not but we've not seen him tested yet so it'll be that's another thing with the Lukaku battle when we're saying oh he won't bully Van Dijk he probably wouldn't have bullied the Van Dijk of 18 months ago, as you said, will he bully the Van Dyke that basically missed the year and only really played two games against two teams that didn't really attack? There's a lot more of a chance. I'm, I'm not going to say definitely Lukaku will bully him, but there's more chance of bullying him than he did or he would have done 18 months ago. So Liverpool aren't at that level. But when you say are they back, they're not back to that level. They're certainly better than they were between January and April last year because they were used to, to be honest. Yeah. All right, mate. I think we've just covered everything there. Any, uh, I guess, strong bets for you there or are you just, I guess, staying out of it for the most part? Well, as I said, I think I think Chelsea are overpriced. Um, obviously, I, I bet in a different way to, to you and a yeah. lot of your customers. I, I think if you're if you're trying to beat closing line value, for me personally, what I would do is, is go with Chelsea. That doesn't mean I'd leave it for them to go on to win, but as I said, that's difference in style between what I do and what you do. Yeah. Yeah, okay, cool, mate. No worries at all. Uh, let's move along to Man City versus Arsenal. Odds coming up now. Very short Man City. Best price I can see there is about maybe you can get 1.3 on the exchanges. Draw is hovering around the 6.5 mark. Best odds there and Arsenal. Mate, you can get as high as 13s, which is... Uh, just beautiful to see. Man City rebounded uh, well after that defeat to Tottenham, smashing Norwich 5-0. Foden and Stones will still be out with injury. Uh, De Bruyne has a chance of returning, but, uh, you know, even if all three miss. What was that? Sorry? I'm pretty sure De Bruyne is out. <clears throat> yeah, I, I heard he was a chance, but, yeah, I mean, I, you don't really see yeah, it. You don't really see yeah, them risking him, do you? not named him. Belgium have already said he's not going to be in their squad, so oh, okay. um, you, that would mean he's out. Yeah, all right. Well, good news there for Arsenal fans, but yeah, I mean, they've still got all the all the best players in the world, so <laughs> I think they'll be all right. Uh, Arsenal, as we've said, dismal start to the season, uh, struggling with injuries in key areas at the moment, Party probably being the biggest there. Uh, but they they pulled off a, a huge 6-0 win, which you attended yesterday, make, made against uh, West Brom, which uh, you would think you would think should give a decent boost in confidence. I mean, do, do, do you think that's the case? Or? Um, I don't know. I mean, yeah, I mean, they'll obviously have a bit more confidence because it's the first goal they've scored this season. Um, Aubameyang didn't even score in pre-season, to be honest. Aubameyang's been getting a lot of stick, but I went to the, the last, we played Chelsea as our second last pre-season game, and mm-hmm. Aubameyang looked super sharp, he just missed a couple of chances, and when he came on against Chelsea last week in the 2-0 loss, again, he looked super sharp, and, and yesterday, I know two of his goals were tackings, but he just looked super sharp, he looked he looked as interested as I think I've ever seen him at Arsenal. Yeah. Um, I mean, famous last words of, of anyone, but I think Aubameyang is, is back to the best we've seen of him at Arsenal. And I said that 
before the game yesterday and sort of yesterday confirmed it, albeit against a championship reserve side, essentially. So, yeah, it was I that mean, third goal, wasn't it? It was the third goal where you just like, all right, you know, he, he, he looks like he's got his mojo back because the third goal was what he was doing for us, you know, a year and a half ago when he was <laughs> arguably one of the best strikers in the world and what earned him that 300, yeah, 300K um, contract. Yeah, he was, he was doing that constantly. And as you said, 18 months ago, whatever it was, you kind of knew he wouldn't miss. As soon as he cut in from that position, it was like it was basically a goal already. But it wasn't even that. It was off the ball. He's running off the ball. He looked so quick and so sharp and so alert. Like the amount of times he could have been played in, but the ball wasn't played at the right time or the ball got cut out. Whereas I think a lot of the time, especially with no crowds, it, it was interesting. I was with a guy yesterday who worked for Sky Sports and he was saying that a lot of people spoke about how the crowds would affect or lack of crowd, sorry, having no fans there would affect players. And he genuinely thinks that Aubameyang was one of them that was affected because he needs the fans, like he's a showman. And yeah. he, he feels like Aubameyang couldn't perform when he had no one to perform to, basically. Which is obviously not ideal professional footballer, but we saw some players get a hell of a lot better with no fans because they didn't have the pressure on their back. And I think some players, it affected them negatively. And I think Aubameyang was probably one of them. Um, so yeah, hopefully we've got him with a bit of, a, as you said, a bit of mojo back and a team with a, a, an on-form form Aubameyang, you can't write them off against everyone. And I'm not being a biased Arsenal fan here because I think Man-, Man City will win quite comfortably. But with him looking a bit sharper and a bit more likely to score, I wouldn't say we're a total write-off. Whereas the Aubameyang of last season, I would have looked at this and just said, I don't, I don't even know scores for us. Yeah. Look, Arsenal, Arsenal have everything up top. To, to trouble Man City, but it's it's everything behind that, isn't it? It's midfield looks a, uh, I think it looks an absolute shambles without party. There's just a lack of build up, and there's just there's just not much there with uh, with Shaka and and Lokonga's still, you know, he's still very young and learning his his uh, his stripes. And then you've got the defense, which is you know the worst we've probably seen it ever under Arteta, I'd have to say, ever since he's he's taken over. Like, Mari's been woeful and, you know, Holding's kind of doing Holding things. So, um, it's, it's worrying time. So, I mean... I don't really know what else. It's, it's just hard to hard to look at this uh, look at this game and I mean at least give any advice on the on the one x two markets. Is there any other markets that I mean handicap markets or anything where you're thinking Arsenal are backable or Man City are backable? Uh, I'm just trying to look for. Sorry, I should have researched. I saw Man City to win to nil because I said at halftime during the Brentford game the way we were attacking. I said we won't score till. Norwich on September 11th in the league and obviously we still haven't um, I actually don't think this will be a high scoring game because I think we're going to defend the thing is against Chelsea we tried to attack and because we were at home and whatnot and left spaces I don't even think we're going to try and attack which is kind of what Man City are not great against unless they score early like you saw the Tottenham game and they just get frustrated very quickly especially because they tend to have no height in the middle so if you force them wide they can't really cross the ball and they end up just recycling the ball and getting very frustrated Having said that, I do think they'll win. Um, and I'm worried about the early goal killing the unders. Um, because if they score, saying that, they scored in after 30 seconds at the Emirates last season and it still finished 1 0. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. And the, the away the most games last season were, were 1 0 to City. Um, so sorry, let me get the under 2.5 up. 
No, I, I was thinking the exact same thing. I the lines are under th- uh, three goals, mate. So I that was one that stuck out to me under three goals. I think yesterday it was at one ninety eight. So I mean, if if I had to have a bet on this one, that would be my bet because I think I think Arteta the the crowd the whole occasion of being back at the Emirates got to him last week and he tried to, uh, you know, be a lot more offensive against Chelsea, which I think was the stupidest thing we could have done. And I think, but I think he's going to, you would think mate, that he's going to sit back a lot more against Man City and let, let them dictate possession, which hopefully, hopefully will result in, in less goals against the Arsenal defense. And, and maybe I I think Arsenal have probably got a better chance in attack if they sit back and try and hit them on the on the counter. I mean, you saw you saw how many times yesterday they hurt West Brom on the counter. I think that's the kind of style that that probably suits them best at the moment until we can get Party back or, and and Ben White too. Yeah, especially with, I mean Diaz is a very good defender, but he's not he's not the quickest. Um, so and Aubameyang drifts that side because the thing is, I assume they're going to play him and Laporte who both naturally play on the left side for City um, so Diaz will move to the right of the centre-back and Aubameyang tends to drift that way so there's danger there and Saka is also tends to drift on that side and Saka's always going to be dangerous so you, you can see a route to, to maybe not scoring but a route to attacking if we are playing on the counter-attack um, and I think as well off the top of my head the last three first team games between us I'm not including the Carabao Cup they won two of them 1-0 and we won the FA Cup final 2-0 so I mean looking at history both teams to score is a, a no is not a, is, is a good bet as I said Man City to win to nil because I favour them to win is not a bad bet and under 2.5 or you said under, under three goals is a looks like probably the one I would go for if I had to have, to have a bet on this game yeah, uh, I'm just. I think the line's still at three goals. Uh, maybe you can't get 198, like I was saying before. But yeah, I agree. I think that that might be the way to to go. Anything else, mate? Any? I mean, I saw. I think the line was at 1.75. But you know, it's one of those games, like you said, a one nil, two nil Man City victory looks like it could be the way to go. If I mean, well, if you could... yeah, I think we've been so bad that the market's kind of expecting a drum in a three, three or four nil, five nil, something like that. So I think that's why it's priced as it is. But um, <laughs> the other thing is, I don't know if you've missed or if you've had the news because of the, the time difference. But obviously, Mendy. Not that he's a first-team player for them, but obviously he's been suspended and he's got some very serious charges over his head. I don't know how that will affect the club as a whole because although he wouldn't have played, I don't think, they're still his teammates and his friends. And your friend getting charged with almost the most serious of crimes, does it have an effect or are they mentally way beyond that? Yeah, I mean, it's hard to say. Will he, will he start the game on Saturday or...? No, no, he's been suspended. I mean, he'll he'll never play again. But oh, I, I hadn't even seen that news. Is that today's news? Uh, yeah, he's been charged with four counts of rape. Oh God, I have no idea. Jeez, yeah, I hadn't seen that. Yeah, that's what I said. I don't know because of the time difference. If you'd have seen it, but I know it, it's something that people usually wouldn't bring into football odds. But they're, as I said, they're still his teammate. He wouldn't have started the game anyway. But will that affect his teammates with that coming out and becoming public mentally yeah. will 
will the crowd act differently? I don't know. So it's just something <laughs> worth at least having in your mind. Well, definitely. I mean, I, I think uh, I think in general, like soft factors like that are, are things that you can factor into into betting nowadays. Just because you know it, it, everything's on the on, on the data and numbers and all that kind of stuff. There's not much emotional kind of you know soft factor kind of stuff that's being put into the odds i would say most of the time nowadays so i think if you can pick up little things like that and you know all sorts of things like you know morale of teams and all that kind of stuff like i think it's all handy stuff to have in mind it's probably an easier way to find an edge than through through data nowadays so no, I think it's yeah. Uh, well, a lot of the books price so well that the, the the strong books they price so well that you do have to, as you said, you do have to find these little bits that have probably either gone outside of their thinking or they don't know how to factor because we're looking at it saying he's been charged, but he wouldn't have played anyway. But these are probably some of his best friends. So the, how, how do they feel about it and how's their their morale? And that's impossible to price because they could be bulletproof in the mind and it not make a blind bit of difference or they could be really bothered by it. Yeah, no, I mean, it's probably with someone who's done that. It's probably a question for Manchester City fans too. Like, how much does um, how much does he mean to the players? Like, how popular? I mean, I wouldn't have a clue how popular he is with his teammates, but maybe Manchester City fans do. So, um, no, good that you brought that up, mate. I think that's a, a really interesting angle. Um, let's uh, let's move on, mate. Brighton versus Everton. Oh, we'll get the odds up once again. We have Brighton at 2.5 in some places, a little bit lower there most uh, in most places. Everton, you can get as high as 3.3, 3.25, and the draw sits at about 3.3, 3.2. Also, looks like Brighton are starting to be on the right side of variance, mate. These are, Brighton are a, are a good... Uh, a good parallel with uh, with sports betting. As we all know, their underlying data was incredible last season. I think they should have, if, if, if you just went by XG and all those kind of uh, underlying data metrics, They, uh, I think they were supposed to finish fifth or sixth or something like that. So um, it looks like they're finally on the right side of variance because I think their first two wins against Burnley and Watford, if you looked at the underlying data of that, they were maybe slightly lucky to get away with six points. So, um, yeah, on the right side of variance finally. And Everton have uh, had a decent start under Rafa Benitez. Unlucky not to get all three points against Leeds. Um, but, yeah, I guess... They're, uh, I guess they're showing some some promising signs. I think they were kind of, um, I think they were mostly forgotten going into this season, weren't they, Evan? And there wasn't too much chat about them, but um, they've still got <clears throat> they've still got two of, two of the best, or you know, two of the best attacking players in, in the Premier League, haven't they? In, in Dominic Calvert Lewin and Richarlison, they can just they can kill you in a second. Yeah, I'm a, I'm a huge huge Calvert Lewin fan as well. I think he's massively underrated. Hmm. I think he's verging on unplayable. Like, because I think Benitez has changed them to a team that basically gets the ball wide and get the crosses and gets crosses into the box, which is why he signed the likes of Andros Townsend, who on paper isn't really a good signing, but you get him the ball, he'll put it in the box. And with someone like Calvert Lewin, who's got the, the highest jump in the league, I think that's like factual. It's definitely on the eye test. He looks like he jumps higher than everyone else, but I think that's actually true. 
very good in the air. And Richarlison, for his height, is not bad in the air and, and he's quick. I just think he's got them playing a brand that won't be exciting and won't look good on the eye, but it'll be effective. Um, so I think that's kind of why they're slipping under the radar. Their signings were wow signings. Amari Gray, Andros Townsend, I think that's it. Uh, so none of them were like back page news. They were they were afterthoughts of whatever happened on that day. But I think system wise it kind of suits them. And their fans have not really well, it's the Benitez thing obviously being a Liverpool legend. It was like their their fans didn't kind of really know how to take to him. But um yeah, I, I think their uh, good side might be might be stretching it, but I think they're gonna be an effective side this season. Yeah, um, we were talking about this a little bit beforehand or yesterday, and yeah, we we both kind of said to each other, "This is a game where the odds have been like you know most of the odds are dictated by underlying metrics um, and where you might be able to find a hole." here and there just because Everton are, you know, on the whole, you know, they've probably got the better players, uh, Brighton, you know, they're, they're a fantastic side and Potter's got them set up well and, you know, all the metrics point in their direction. But Styles, Styles made matchups, mate, and, and this could be a, a, a game where Everton are happy to sit back and, and give Brighton all the possession and it, and it could leave Brighton you know, quite vulnerable in certain circumstances. And, you know, it could be the classic case of a Brighton game where they, you know, probably create a decent bit of XG maybe or they they have possession for most of the game but but struggle to really threaten in on goal and, and take their chances. Yeah, I also think, I don't think Welbeck's back. I think he might be on the bench, but he's not, he's not played. So I don't think he'll be ready to start. Um, Malpe is 50-50 I think he probably will start but he's touch and go so that that changes things I mean uh, Brighton are, are a horrible team to bet on or against because I as you just said about their price because the underlying metrics I look at their price every week and pretty much think it's wrong mm. um, and it's one of them when they lose which they more often not do based on recent seasons you, you sound like a genius and when they win you sound like an idiot like because it's not you're not going to beat closing line value, really, because, I mean, you can't back, sure, I'm personal opinion, you can't back Brighton at 2.5 against Everton. No. But that doesn't mean that their their price won't drop because, as I said, people that are looking at just data are going for them. In, in my betting group with my customers, there's, there's two teams that people really don't touch and you kind of don't bet against Arsenal when you don't bet against Brighton because... I don't know why with Arsenal, but the market loves them. And I know Nigel says it regularly on here, or he did last season. For whatever reason, the market, like our team came out against Chelsea the other day. I got it early, sent it, and loads of people going, great, back Chelsea, 1.95. I think they reversed to, to evens and we had players out all over the place. Yeah. Um, it was just weird. And, and yeah, and Brighton are the other one because of their underlying metrics are so good that people that, that bet on data, which is obviously increasingly more and more people, We'll just back them because the data says says so. But they they're a weird one for me because I'm I'm not the biggest fan of XG and Brighton is kind of my case in point that as you said they should have been fifth or sixth but they were nowhere near. And I think as well they've got a lot of players that do all the work which gets their XG higher. But and people always say oh, if they just signed a finisher they they would come fifth or sixth where they're supposed to. But they wouldn't because that finisher would be in the box not doing the work of a Malpay or a Welbeck 
So they're essentially playing one striker light in most games because that the the striker is a workman creating chances. And then, so of course they're not going to score the goals from the chances made when they're basically playing to one man in the middle. It's why their strikers never kind of, I mean, I don't know the exact number, but they never have a striker with more than 10 goals. But they all work hard. And when you watch them, you go, oh, Malpe's not bad. But then you look at the end of the season and he's got eight goals or something stupid. So, uh, yeah, Brighton are a really, really hard team to kind of deal with in terms of betting. But again, for me, the price just looks wrong. But as I said, I say that every time I look at a Brighton price. Yeah. All right. Well, um, do, do you think it will play out in that way where it's kind of like, you know, Brighton dominating possession and, yeah, Everton might get a few opportunities off that? Yeah, basic. Yeah, basically. Obviously, I've just said that Everton are quite strong crossing the ball, but that, that kind of uh, where where uh, Brighton are strong with Dunk, Duffy. Duffy's come back in. They loaned him out last year, didn't want him anymore. He was terrible at Celtic and come back and he's got in the team and he scored last week. So it's like out of nowhere, he's back in the team. But I think they'll try and exploit pace because Dunk, I really rate Lewis Dunk, but he's not the quickest. Mm. Um, uh, Duffy can't run. So I think more so, even though I've just said they're going to be a kind of team that crosses the ball, I think the likes of Richarlison and, and Damari Gray are going to be more dangerous on the break. Um, I think in the first game, they played Pascal Grosch, uh, left back or left wing back, because they didn't have any. If they do that again, then a Gray or any other quick winger getting at him will have a field day. So for me, I think Everton's a, a good bet. Um, so yeah, I'll get up the odds on the screen and you can get. 3.3 at Betfred for Everton. Uh, yeah, most bookies that are about 3.2. Do you think, um, is there a price where you, I mean, do you think you're going to get any CLV at 3.2 or 3.3? Or is it like, is there like a, is there a best time to bet? I mean, you're obviously very familiar with the markets because of all the team use stuff you do is like Brighton games in general, like you're saying, probably not going to get any CLV, but is there a best time to bet where you're going to just get maximum odds on, on Everton? Uh, as I said, that there's the two teams that are really hard to predict the Brighton and Arsenal because teams just, just, just back them. So I, I don't know, uh, to be honest, I think with this one, you've just got, to, if it's a price, if it's at a price you're happy with, take it. And if it's not, wait until it is at a price you're happy with. And if it never gets there, then the bet was never for you. That's kind of how I look at Brian. Yeah. All right. Well said, mate. Let's move on to the last game we're talking about today. Aston Villa versus Brentford. Aston Villa, quite short, reasonably short favourites here. You can get them as high as 2.05 on Mansion, but most have got them around the two mark. Uh, draw is at 3.75 on Betway and Brentford. You can get four in a few places there. Life after Grealish has started with a win and a loss for Villa uh, against lower-ranked sides, Watford and Newcastle. Um, Brentford, they played out probably, I'm assuming, I watched the highlights and I saw the XG. I'm assuming it was a very dour nil-nil draw with Palace after that Stunning victory against Arsenal, um, mate. First question: How long, like, how long do you think it's going to take for for Villa to, I, I, I guess, replace you know Grealish in a way and I, learn how to play without them, without him? Sorry. Uh, 
I don't know, they're, they're really trying to find their feet. But it's not just him, I think, obviously, because Ings come in. I know Watkins not been fit yet, and I'm not sure if he's back. I should have checked that, actually. But they're going to have to change the style there, because if Ings plays centrally, they're going to have to move Watkins wide or as a second striker, which will also change a lot of things. So I think there's been, despite only being one player out in terms of Grealish, but with the, the people they've brought in, they're going to have a lot of changes in style. Um mm. Obviously, as, as you said, with their results, they they lost three two to Watford, but they were lucky it was three two. Um, I mean, they scored a penalty with the last kick of the game to make it three two, but they got battered. If, if Watford had won that five nil, I don't think anyone really said anything. Um, and then I I thought they're very lucky against Newcastle. The penalty was obviously given by VAR. Uh, I probably think it was, but then there's a lot of people that don't. Uh, and then Wilson was offside by about an inch when he had a penalty given to him. Again, Martinez could have been sent off, got the yellow, and just every decision seemed to go Newcastle uh, against Newcastle, seemed to go Villa's way, and, and they won two 0 uh, and they also scored like a wonder goal. So they scored a wonder goal on a penalty, and every decision went their way. So again, I think they're really, I think they're still being priced on kind of what they done last season. To be honest, Brentford haven't conceded a goal. Villa have scored two penalties, uh, set a wonder goal, and another quite good goal to be fair. But yeah, just I don't know. For me, the Villa, they're uh, they're being priced on last season still, and I think we don't know what life after Grealish is yet. But I don't think it's as good as life with Grealish. But <laughs> the, the odds seem to think it is. Yeah, I just looked up uh, Ollie Watkins' injury news. It looks like he they're hopeful he'll start, but it sounds more so like he will not be back. So you would assume it'll be a similar setup to to what they played against Newcastle. Yeah, and uh, I mean, I don't know. Leon Bailey obviously has been on the bench for two games. I don't know if he's ready to come in. Uh, to be honest, I think people overrate him. He's capable of magic, but he's capable of doing not much as well. So it's a it's a tough one. I think this would be for me kind of more of a speculative rather than a. This isn't a confident play, uh, mm. if you'd like. It's just a. I think Man City. Uh, Man City sorry, I think Villa are completely unknown, really that they're being priced as as the team that looked quite impressive with Grealish last season. I mean, look at the... I think Grealish only came back for the last three games and they missed him for 10. And them 10 games, they, they weren't impressive at all and, and they lost a lot of them. But suddenly, they've, he's gone. They're bringing Buendia and it's like the same as when Grealish were there in terms of the bookies, which, which for me is, is not right. Yeah, I kind of... It's one of those games where you look at the odds and you think Villa look way too short but I'm not sure the odds on Brentford are like, you know, amazing value, if you get what I mean. It's not yeah. like you're looking Yeah, yeah that's what for me. It's like, a, uh, I yeah. think Villa are too short, so probably should go for it, but I'm not like, a, this is I'm going to throw all my money on it sort of thing. Yeah. All right, mate. Well, I'll, uh, I think we'll leave it there for today. I think um, we've definitely given everyone a lot to stew over, uh, you know, spoke a lot about Chelsea, Liverpool and Man City, Arsenal, which people are probably most interested in. But I think, uh, yeah, highlighting those cases in Brighton and Everton, Aston Villa and Brentford, mate, I think uh, especially the Brighton Everton, mate, I just, I, I think that, you know, we can, it, it's a good case in point of, of times where we can get a little bit crazy on underlying data and maybe look at the games, you know, if you're, for someone who looks at betting from more of a, I guess, game analysis or tactically or whatever, I think it's a, you know, there's definitely opportunities there where, where the odds look a little bit off. But, um, yeah, hopefully giving people some 
some stuff to stew over, mate. Um, yeah, we, we know that you're not a massive value better. You're more of a trader on team news. But I guess out of all the things we've gone today, is there is there one that you're like, all right, if I had to bet on something, that would be me? Um, yeah, probably Everton, just because of, I mean, the price obviously comes into it. I'm looking at 3.35 on the exchanges. Hmm. And I just, I'm not. I make them shorter than that. I just, I just think they're they're too long. I mean, obviously that's in, in terms of what you're in. That, as I said, because the other one, I think Chelsea are too long, but that doesn't mean I think they'll win, which is obviously again where we differ. Um, mm. So for me, I, I would go Everton in terms of what I'm looking for. In, and obviously, you get slightly better odds on it as well, a lot better odds. Yeah, I think that's the best for me too. I think outside of that, I think under three, if under three goals, if you can get that close to evens on the on the Man City Arsenal game, I think that's that's pretty decent. Like it, I, 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 it's hard to see being being over three goals. So at least you get your money back if it's dead on three goals. But yeah, you never know with Arsenal. They could, like you said, <laughs> we conceded an early goal to them last game. And it ended one nil, but you could easily see that game turning into a three or four nil. So it'll uh, it'll be interesting, man. I hope for your sake, it's a it's a fun trip to the Etihad. It'd be it'd be it wouldn't be too much fun, mate, if you're coming home after a four nil loss. No, so I booked uh, I booked the hotel and I'm staying in Manchester for the night because for that reason you don't want to get up silly early in the morning, drive for three and a half hours, get beat four or five nil, and then drive three and a half hours back. So yeah. win or lose on the booze. Good man, good man. All right, uh, you can find Tony. Oh, his YouTube channel's called Only Fools Lay Horses. Highly recommend having a look around there. Some great videos. Um, I don't know if you're too too into the Twitters, mate. I can't remember what your handle is. Uh, at SFTS one. Um, oh, yeah. I don't tweet much. I'm on it all the time. I'm weird. I'm on them. I'm on Twitter nonstop. But I don't really tweet much. That handle must have been very hard to, to get, mate. Yeah, yeah. Everyone wanted it. I had to pay fortunes for it. But, you know, when, you, when you're a high roller, you can just win a couple of bets and, uh, and pay off people. Um, all right, mate. The time we've all been waiting for. Quiz question of the week. When was the last time Arsenal beat Man City in the league? Uh, I think, I think, like you said, it, I think this one it was at home from memory from looking yeah, yesterday. Yeah, we won 2 1. If I'm right, we won 2 1. Walcott and Giroud. Ozil nice. got both assists. Yeah, Flore scored for them with his left foot, and it didn't look like it was going in, and it did. Uh, I think it was December. Um, it was the year Leicester won the league. Um, I can't remember what year that was, but it was so. I think obviously Leicester won the league in the May. I'm pretty sure it was the December or early January. Uh, so that would change what year it was. I've got the right game. Yeah, maybe, mate. You got to lock something in. Oh, uh, okay. So, what year did Leicester win the league? Uh, oh, it's 15, 16. 15, 16. So, I'll go December 2015. Gee, mate. You're bloody good. You're bloody good. That's, that's spot no, on, mate. The, the, the goals and the assisters and the scorers, I was a million percent confident with. I, knew, I know yeah. they're right. It was the uh, December or January. Uh, you're a true Arsenal fan. I guess the only thing I thought would help you out would maybe be that maybe, you know, Christmas time, you might have remembered it was a couple of days to, towards Christmas. But I, I remember it being freezing. And I said, that's what, I didn't know if it was like, say, the 2nd of January or just inside December. 
Yeah. But beyond that, yeah, I was new. I remember, mate. as I said, I remember all the goals clearly. They were the days, mate. They were the days. Walcott and Giroud. I cannot believe we beat Man City with those two. But <laughs> Yeah, we both goals, I think, were like from 40 minutes, between 40 minutes and half time. I think Walcott was in stoppage time. As I said, both Ozil assists and then Yaya Torre scored late. Um, I have a really geeky memory for football, as I just displayed. Um, <laughs> certainly mate certainly all right thanks for coming on mate it was uh, it was awesome having you on and i think give a bit of a different insight to uh to what george and nigel do so um yeah pleasure having you on mate thanks for listening everyone please do a quick rate and review of the podcast subscribe to us wherever you listen to the podcast and if you're listening if you're looking to implement some of the strategies we talked about today uh, or weekly on the podcast, especially the value betting ones. Start a free week trial of Trade Mate Sports and begin your value betting journey. Cheers again, Tony, mate, and we'll uh, we'll have to have you on uh, again in the in the future. Thanks, Tony.